Yeah. Are we going to do player's handbook ones, or are we going to go into, like, the... We'll start with the player's handbook spells, <laughs> but then we'll do all of them. Nice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rules is Written, episode number... Two. Ding, ding, ding. This episode, we're going to be looking at the skills, and also your stats, the basic stats. So... So what is a skill check? A skill check is... Um, basically rolling a dice and adding some numbers to it. So you'll roll a d20, it'll always be a d20, and you add your base stats to it, depending on what skill it is. So if you look through your skills, all of them will have in brackets either strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. So you will add the modifier, which will be the plus number. So it'll max out at about plus five normally, if you have a 20 in that stat or zero if you've got a 10. It can go into the minuses. So if you've got an eight, that'll be minus one. So the numbers you add will also be affected by your proficiency. If you choose one of these skills to be proficient in and you roll for that skill, you add your proficiency number, which we talked about in the last episode. Normally yeah. it's a flat number, sometimes we use dice. So the equation to sum up will be roll a d20. If it's a stealth check, for example, you'll add your dexterity. If you're proficient in stealth, you'll also add your proficiency. You can also have expertise, which means you double a proficiency. Another example, let's say you're a rogue, you want to be stealthy, and you have a dexterity of 16, which is a plus three. You're also proficient in stealth. So you roll a 20, you get a 10. You add three from your dexterity. You add another two for your proficiency, a level one. And then if you have chosen expertise, you'll double that proficiency, adding another two. So you'll end up with a plus seven to that stat on that roll. So what is an expertise? Expertise, um, rogues are probably the most famous class for having it. You just choose two stats to have expertise in and you will double your proficiency in those skills. Okay, um, does every class have an expertise? No, they're actually quite rare. You don't see them too often. Um, they do pop up here and there. I can't exactly say off the top of my head where, but it definitely, uh, rogues are the most famous. They start with some. Mm. Okay. Cool. JT, what's your favorite stat? <laughs> <laughs> are you asking me as JT or me as Orin the Barbarian? <laughs> I'll let you decide. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think the answers might be the same. <laughs> like in the base stats, I, I really yeah. like, um, I really like strength. <laughs> uh, answering as both, I do like strength. Fair enough, fair enough. I think for me personally, it's charisma. Charisma is a fun one. Charisma is a fun one. I, I really, I mean, I I talk too much is really the problem. <laughs> <laughs> charisma is also fun to fail at. I feel like the nice thing yeah. about strength is that it's like something that like, no matter what you want to do, you can do it a whole lot more with more strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely an aspect to it. <laughs> You can really force it into everything, can't you? <laughs> what does the king say? Do you uh, do you uh, intimidate him? I rip him apart. <laughs> now I am. I king. break his stupid chair. <laughs> okay, so I mean, let's start with that one then. Strength, a strength check. So there's only one skill tied to strength, which is athletics. Um, when do I make you do athletics checks? Uh, when we're running. Yep. Um, and then also sometimes if we have to do something like uh, that requires a lot of physical stamina, like a jump or like 
uh, long distance traveling or something yeah. like that. So normally when I make you do it when you're running, it's because you're running away from danger. Mm. Like it's a make it or break it kind of moment. Like a sprint. Yeah, like you've really got to, if you mess up normally running, you just, like if you stumble a little bit, that's fine. But if you've got an angry mob of a hundred villagers, you've just burned down their church, like you cannot afford to stumble because they're mm. going to be on you. So yeah, don't make your players roll for every time they <laughs> run. Like when there's like a time constraint. Right? Yeah, when there's a time constraint, an, an aspect of danger. So yeah, strength is really at um, its base, your ability to lift or push, pull or break something. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just raw strength. It's probably the simplest one mm. to kind of envision as well. Intuitively, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it doesn't take much to think of a time when you're gonna need strength. So some specific examples I would say is like if you're trying to force open a door, if you're trying to hang on to something while you're being dragged along, um, maybe if you're trying to swim through a raging river or so, something that's going to be fighting against you. So when would you make a strength check versus an athletics check? Um, I think athletics has a bit more of an element of stamina to the whole thing, mm. um, which is not how everyone plays completely that's fine whatever however you play is always the correct way to play except for those of you who are wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i the way i play it um a strength check is really just for lifting something heavy if you want to lift something heavy give us a raw strength check. i think it feels better to be rolling just on strength as well if you're rolling athletics i think there's more of a formal aspect to it. It's like, ah, oh, this is, I will now commence the weightlifting. <laughs> but um, I think rolling, and obviously you adjust the DC accordingly. The DC yeah, I was just about to ask that. Okay. So if someone's proficient in athletics or something, sometimes if their strength isn't quite good enough, I'll say roll athletics when I would normally roll strength. It's really having a knowledge of your player character's strengths and weaknesses, and also what they as people want to have as their strengths and weaknesses. Mm. That's also a kind of important thing. So strength comes into a couple of other things. Your attack rolls and your damage, right? Yeah. So your strength modifier is what increases the amount of damage and the accuracy of your attacks. Yeah. So if you're a barbarian, as Orin is, strength is a big yes, 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 yes with your triple attack bullshit that you've got going on. <laughs> yeah. Always min-max. <laughs> <laughs> So it's really a kind of very straightforward stat, I think, strength. The mm. only one that's even more straightforward is constitution, which we'll be coming to in a second. The other thing is lifting and carrying. So rules is written, um, your, you can lift or carry, as it were, your strength score. So not your modifier, but the score, the actual number you have written in the box. Multiply that by 15, and that's the weight in pounds that you can carry times it by 30, and that's what you can push, drag, or lift. Okay, and the difference between your strength score and your strength modifier is? So the strength score is the number that you have in that strength box, and that number will relate to a modifier. So a 10 is a zero, 11 is a zero, 12 is plus one, 13 is plus one, so on and so forth. It goes up one for every two points that you get in strength. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty straightforward, as it were. We don't really do that too much. I don't use the carrying capacity 
rules. Some groups love them. I've played in groups that were very, very heavy into not just this, but all of the survival aspects of this game, which mm. there are, is reasonably fleshed out, especially in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, I don't use it, especially for this group. The group that we play in is much more social orientated, and I can't imagine some of our friends having fun marking down having to <laughs> notch the weight of each individual item yeah definitely so uh who would you recommend use the like carrying capacity associated with strength if you like paradox games as in europa universalis <laughs> if you if you like eve online <laughs> you might just like carrying capacity some people just love numbers and that's great like more power to them i've played in them and i really do enjoy them for a few sessions like a one shot two shot three shot where you've got a really marked down of every arrow every torch has to be accounted for mm. i think those can be really fun games after a while for me personally they can get a bit taxing so it's kind of like the difference between like the Revenant and like, I don't know, some spaghetti Western. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's strength. The other one is size and strength. So larger characters can bear more than tiny characters. Now every character will have a class size. We'll get more into those. The most, the most common ones are small, medium, large. For each size category above medium, you can double that creature's carrying capacity and the amount. So if you're a large creature, which you are, Oren, because you're a Goliath, you're counted as a large creature in our rule set, the mm -hmm. way we've uh, got you down, um, you would double that. So your carrying capacity would be your strength times 30, which mm. is horrific. <laughs> and that also affects who you can grapple with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll touch more on that in the combat section yeah. of that, but it does play into a, a lot of things. Another variant with strength is encumbrance. So if you carry five times your strength short, you're encumbered, which means your speed drops by 10 feet. Most character speeds end up being about 30 feet. So you're taking a third of your speed. If you have 10 times, then you're heavily encumbered and your speed drops to 20 feet and you have disadvantage on ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws that use strength, dexterity, or constitution. So it's a huge debuff here. Can vehicles be encumbered? Not I, I think that's really down to DM's discretion for the most part. As far as I'm aware, there's not rules. I may I may get another thing coming when I flick forward in the <laughs> player's handbook. Yeah, the like super the revenant players would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's it's down to like uh, within reason. If you've somehow managed to put a dragon to sleep, loading up on a car is going to be a bit infeasible. Mm. But if you want to fill it with loads of gold, which I mean, in actual actuality, in realistic terms, might actually weigh more than a dragon. Gold is heavy. Um, a car wouldn't be able to handle, then it might just make more sense to just hand wave it and say, yeah, it's fine. It's, mm. it's, I think a real key part of D&D, &D, and I think it's what we're gonna come back to again and again, is the feeling of the game. Mm. Which kind of goes against the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're all about rules here. <laughs> Leave your feelings at the door. <laughs> Leave it at the constitution checks. Constitution? <laughs> yeah, constitution. So the next one is dexterity. Dexterity is your agility, reflexes, balance, uh, base your speed. There's a few things that are tied to this. Number one is acrobatics. When have I asked you to roll acrobatics checks? Well, acrobatics happens more, I guess, when we want to do something that requires 
more finesse than like a straight, like if you want to jump over something that might be in athletics. But if you wanted to like grab onto something and like, you know, use that to propel yourself over a ravine, that might be in acrobatics. So I guess it's like the, the combination of athletics with finesse. I think also sometimes climbing things. I've had people make acrobatics checks. I think it fits a bit more because acrobatics, I think, is a skill that you've got to choose to use mm. a lot of the time. Sometimes it comes up, but most of the time it's when some player says, and I do a flip. <laughs> That's when it's like, okay, now it's an acrobatics check. I think that those actually get confused a lot in my own mind, the difference between an athletics check and an acrobatics check. And yeah. it's not always clear like when. Yeah, they are. One. The way I do them is, like you said, really having an aspect of finesse leans it to more acrobatics, whereas raw endurance, raw strength is more athletics. Okay. So the next thing that we have is sleight of hand. What's sleight of hand? That's what your rogue's gonna be doing when they want to steal something and not tell your party about it. Exactly. <laughs> Frankie. That's an inside joke. Anyway, yeah, it's really kind of manual trickery. The classic example is pickpocketing, stealing something. But it can also be putting things back or concealing an object or something. Okay. So if I wanted to do something that required someone else not to see it or feel it, that would be sleight of hand. For the most part. I think it, I, I tend to have sleight of hand more on the micro and stealth on the macro. So if you wish to not be seen doing something relatively obvious, like pulling someone out of the way of something or jumping behind a barrel, to, that's more of a stealth check. Whereas if you don't want to be seen pickpocketing, if you don't want to be seen planting something on someone, that's more of a sleight of hand. I think the clue's in the name really, sleight of hand mm. as opposed to sleight of body. That would be a sexy skill. <laughs> yeah, coming into the new amendments proposed, <laughs> proposed by this podcast with the official rules. Slight of body. You heard it here first. <laughs> so the next one is probably one of the most used skills is stealth. And it's really just concealing yourself from sight or sound. I have a question about stealth. Yeah? So it feels like there are two distinct situations when you want to be stealthy. Mm -hmm. Right? Just purely talking about the playing the game type of thing. There's one when you are actively like, I am sneaking in to do something. Right? Yeah. That like, I have the element of, I know that there are other people. I know that there's like- Like a bank that, heist or something. Like a bank heist. So I know that I want to sneak past some guards or something like that. There's like that kind of overt, like active stealth. Yeah. But then there's also kind of like this element of, I don't know what is out there, like when I'm traveling and I don't want to be seen, but I don't know what can see me. Yeah. Is so, there a difference mechanically in those things? When you, when the second one, do you see that? What's the scenario that you're envisioning? Like the classic scenario? So uh, oftentimes when we're traveling incognito or something, like if we're going through a forest, and we know that there's like an element of danger in this place, right? We know yeah. that like this is a forest that's known for something that is dangerous, like wild animals, bandits, whatever. Um, or we know that we might be approaching something that could yeah. be dangerous, but we don't know where or what it is. Then we want to be like generally sneaky, but we're not doing like some mission impossible. <laughs> yeah, right? Like it's more like a traveling sneak kind of yeah. thing. So one of them is in the short term, which is the bank heist. You're rolling your stealth check, rolling it against 
their perception, mm. which we'll come to in a second. Um, that's pretty straightforward. You roll a stealth check. Does it work? Does it fail? Numbers will decide. With the, the with the second one, it's more long term. I think the way I flavor it is that you're traveling for a long time. It's hard to be sneaky for a long time. If you're traveling for hours or days towards a threat, it's hard to be sneaky. I would treat the party as though they are kind of being sneaky. They're not gonna welcome like travelers just on the road. Be like, oh, hey, let's stop and have a party with these merchants who we found. Like I wouldn't have that. I would stop the game if I know you're trying to be sneaky and say, there is a wagon up ahead. Like you can see it because you're on alert. I think being sneaky in this long term definitely has a element of being alert around you, looking for danger and then having the option to become actively stealth. Okay. Whereas if if you know it's a safe road, if you guys are all fine with it, then yeah, sometimes we just fast travel. It's like, yeah, you pass through some merchants, some other wagons and they say, hey, and it's just kind of normal stuff. What do you think? Well, then on the flip side, though, I feel like there's also then the difference between those, like, somebody that you're approaching who doesn't know that you're there mm. versus somebody who is in a position where they're supposed to be alert versus somebody who knows that either you or somebody is out there somewhere and is searching for you. Is there a difference mechanically in those things as well? So that comes down to the DM and how the DM is playing these characters. Mm. So uh, what was your first one? So the first one is where nobody has any suspicion that there's anything running afoul. So that's where you would use passive perception. Okay. Um, which is a static score that the DM has to use to find out how other characters in this world, um, whether you can see them, and also they can have passive perception, whether they can see you. If there's no one looking for anyone, I default to that. I would default to passive perception. So like my stealth roll would have to be above their passive perception. Yeah, it's literally that. <laughs> <laughs> and it works both ways, your passive perception. Normally I forego passive perception and I ask you to roll active perception, which is a double-edged sword. Sometimes I use passive perception, but sometimes I like to, when you know there is a danger about, sometimes I like the kind of metagame of asking you guys to roll passive perception to see if you notice something. That I think heightens the tension of the game. This plays more into the storytelling aspect of D&D. So you can use players' innate desire to metagame, yeah. <laughs> no matter how much they try and stifle it, uh, to your advantage. We'll have an episode of metagaming. <laughs> um, Maybe a few. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to talk about. So yeah, that's the dexterity um, checks. In general, a dexterity check could also be called to pick a lock. I tend to use sleight of hand. Some people use um, combine these stats to have a sleight of hand intelligence. So they would use their intelligence, and then if they're proficient in sleight of hand, add their proficiency bonus to the intelligence roll. Okay. So in what situations would you use that? Because I feel like that's a concept that can get quite confusing, like using a different ability with a different proficiency than what it's normally used for. That is definitely something that you've got to deal with on a case-by-case -case basis. Nearly always it will fall into just one of these bogs and it's very rare I ask you guys to mix and match. I think the classic one is lockpicking. A lot of people use just straight dexterity, 
But I think there is reasonably an intelligence aspect involved in lock picking. Like you have to be smart, you have to know the locks, you also have to feel it. And I think that's where the sleight of hand proficiency comes in. How good are you at just the nimbleness of doing this? So if you're proficient in sleight of hand, then you get your proficiency bonus, but I also think it's an intelligence check. So then what would you tell your rogue who, you know, min-max the crap out of their <laughs> dexterity? I feel like rogues, they don't have intelligence as like a important Some stat, do. do if you're an arcane trickster, you definitely need your intelligence. Okay, but it, for I, those who aren't, it wouldn't be their main stat. It won't be their main stat. It shouldn't be their dump stat though. Intelligence okay. shouldn't be their dump stat. Um, if you look at in the player's handbook, it suggests intelligence being your second or third top So stat. then it's still quite reasonable. But, yeah, it's reasonable that it be. wouldn't be best. Again, I think that is case by case. Okay. As is going to be my answer for a lot of these things. But I'll give examples each time, promise. Okay. So if you know that your rogue has dumped everything into dexterity and is playing the super sneaky lockpicking thief kind of guy, like they've got their heart set on it, in their heads, they're Sly Cooper. <laughs> then roll it with dexterity. Like, okay. make the party happy. You as a DM, your job is not to fight the party to defeat the party. Your job is to make sure everyone is having a good time. Mm. I'm super lucky because you guys are always just open to listening to what I say and you guys accept it for the most part. For fear of death. Exactly, for fear of TPK. <laughs> <laughs> so if I just explain that I, I think that it's an intelligence check, like we did it in this campaign when it first came up and you guys were just like, yeah, that makes sense, cool. Yeah, it helped that you explained it to us when you were telling us to do yeah. it. Yeah, again, communication's key. Just mm. explain things and most players, they may be like, ugh, that's annoying. You could also, if you really have your heart set on it, you can talk with the player character about changing around their stats. If if they really want to be lockpicky and just talk to them about how they want their character and how you can facilitate that. Although I recommend against trying to force it if your players don't want it. If your players are really against mixing and matching these stats because they've min-max stuff, just don't do it. Okay. So the next, the final thing with dexterity is attack and damage rolls. Now you'll also add this with ranged weapons such as bows and crossbows and things. You'll add your dexterity modifier as well as finesse weapons. Now finesse weapons are things like daggers and rapiers and we'll talk more about them on the weapons episode. It's basically the same as strength, but archers as well as rogues will use their dexterity to deal more damage and hit more things. Okay. Any questions? That's pretty straightforward. So, oh, I tell a lie, there's two more things. Next thing is armor class. So with armor class, which is your armor, it'll go up the better armor you have. So leather armor is uh, AC 11, I think, base. You add your dexterity to your AC. So very quickly, what is your armor class and what does it mean? Your armor class is your ability to dodge, tank, any damage, any hits. So avoiding so, harm. Yeah, so some people just see it as this is their armor. You hit them and it didn't hurt. I think that's a, that's not a very productive way to think about it. It's it's a mixture of everything to do with not getting hit. Hmm. So a rogue might have really good AC if they've like really maxed into dexterity, even though they've got kind of crappy armor. 
just because they're so quick and that makes sense like if you can jump out of the way of an attack why would you rely on armor so much if you want to go into that there are downsides to having heavy armor as well so then uh what would be the downsides of having heavy armor are you so the written ones are stealth like you can't stealth and also walking speed um there's a few others that can crop up that will get on way more in the weapons and armor episode is there a difference then in having like an armor class? So you have a rogue who has like an AC 17, yeah. right? So something has to roll above a 17 to hit them. But then you also have like some paladin or cleric with heavy armor or something like that. And they also have an AC of 17. Yeah. What is the, or if there are any, what are the differences between those two things? The advantages and disadvantages. Mechanically, between those two numbers, there's there's no, if it's 17, it's 17. That's what it is. Mechanically, there's no real difference. What comes with that is that rogue has put loads of stuff into dexterity, and that is where he's getting his AC from. The paladin has probably put nothing into dexterity, or very little. So he's got more to spend on other things. So I could imagine that Paladin being a more rounded character as opposed to a much more min-max rogue to achieve those stats. So it's, it's a balancing game. Mm. Also, the Paladin will have some downsides from the heavy armor, which we'll talk about in a future episode. Uh, the last thing is initiative. So initiative is super easy. It's just your dexterity modifier. You add that to whatever you roll whenever I say roll for initiative and the highest number goes first. Rolling a d20? Yeah, d20. So the last one we'll talk about this episode is Constitution. Now Constitution is the only one that doesn't have any skills attached to it. So this should be a quick one. When do I ask you to roll Constitution checks? If somebody gives you sus food. <laughs> <laughs> there are some spells that require Constitution saving throws. Things that would do harm, Constitution saving throws seem to lessen that harm. Yeah, definitely. So other times where constitution checks might be involved is holding your breath, marching for long hours. I do it a lot in snow. My favorite kind of snow mechanic is doing constitution checks and you can take levels of exhaustion, which we'll come to in a status stats episode. You'll take levels of exhaustion for just how cold you are, which I think kind of fits nicely. Um, into this like real survival danger. If you're not prepared for that cold, you find yourself, you jump through a portal, you're in bloody ice land. Yep. Wow, <laughs> I really thought the, the, land most, of ice. the most fantastical <laughs> name there. <laughs> yeah, it's so um, constitution, it's really self-explanatory constitution. It's just how much you can take physically for the most part, um, which includes drinking a shit ton. <laughs> right, alcohol. Yep, I might ask, also ask you to make a constitution saving throw for alcohol, just like other poisons. Um, but yeah, going without food, water, or even sleep. Going without sleep is also one that people forget about. The other big thing with constitution is hit points. When you're leveling up, you'll roll a dice. And that dice will be determined by your class. So wizards, squishy classes will roll a d6. Um, less squishy classes will roll a d8, and some very lucky guys will roll a d10. This guy, yeah. well, uh, is d12 for barbarians. Oh, is it barbarians? Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, yeah, big <laughs> you roll boys. a dice. Big um, boys. 
that you add that amount of hit points to your maximum hit points plus your constitution modifier. So if you have reached level 10 and you've got a con of plus two, that's 20 extra hit points. And what a lot of people often get wrong and forget is that it's retroactive. If you use one of your levels to boost up one of these stats, which you can do every few levels, if you go from a plus one to a plus two at level four, you will treat it as though you always had a plus two. So you'll retroactively add those hit points. So you'll go from four extra hit points to eight extra hit points. So referencing the previous episode where we talked about digital versus paper, pen and paper character sheets. Yeah. One thing that's quite nice about having the digital one, even if you do like having the pen and paper one in addition, it's still nice to keep the digital one to do this math for you because yeah i can see that totally very frequently we'll have these kinds of especially when you level up there are all kinds of modifiers that you add onto different stats that will increase them yeah and it's a lot easier to have this applied everywhere when you use like i use dnd beyond mm. and then it will just level everything up for you um but I can appreciate the person who just likes to crunch those numbers <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely, it's it's a good idea. I would agree to definitely have a master copy, a digital master copy, even if you play with paper, uh, like just having an up-to-date copy online that if anything happens to your paper, you can print it out, like it's still backed up because again, once you have these sheets for a year, they can get tattered and torn, can't they? <laughs> yeah, it's 2020. We need to update our <laughs> <laughs> cloud storage, baby. All right, that does it for the first half of the skills episode. Um, we'll be back at this with another episode, checking out the final three main stats. Coming at you hot. Until then, stay safe, guys. See you next time.